Okay, let's see if I still have this. It has been a minute. Yo, yo, yo. Ha <laughs> ha. Welcome to another episode of Round Ball Ramble. I'm your host, Corbin Forge. Follow me on Twitter at CorbinMBA if you are so inclined. Happy New Year, ladies and gentlemen. We are in the year of our Lord 2023. It is crazy to say, I'm sure we're all going to go through weeks where you have to write it out, especially if you're still in school, and you know how you used to still write the year before, before your brain like finally remembered to catch up? Yeah, that's where I feel we are. It's really kind of weird to see 2023. Uh, this is the year that Tony Stark gave his life for the universe. Uh, if you follow Marvel, uh, Marvel Endgame, yeah, this is that. Also, there's a bunch of movies in the 80s and 70s that were set in the 2020s of which their interpretation of this year is hilarious. Um, I forgot one science fiction movie where they're like literally wearing Speedos, which is apparently what we should be wearing uh, in our daily lives in 2023. So, yeah, check that out, y'all. But no, it's crazy. It really is. Um, another year. Hope that everyone is happy, uh, as healthy as they can be, and in good spirits. It definitely is uh, time in the winter where we've gone through a lot rough year last year, a lot of cold, a lot of places, Uh, just chilly, just chilly, I was out of town almost two weeks ago, and it was like zero degrees, rolling blackouts, obviously the tragedy happened up east uh, with a lot of snow and people who unfortunately were not able to make it to a warm area, so definitely just hoping that with the new year, of course, you know, things maybe turn up, Um, on the basketball floor, you know, because that's what Round Ball Ramble's all about. What a transition, right? On the basketball floor, y'all. It's been it's been crazy. It's been crazy. A lot of great performances. Um, this year has not been quite as hectic as years past. Uh, and that's been interesting. I mean, you've had a lot of, you know, game winners, great performances. We're going to talk about one here in a minute. Uh, a lot of parity in this league. No, you know, true, clear-cut, standout team by far, which I find very interesting, but, um, yeah, we're back, we're gonna kind of ease into this year, I've taken a couple weeks off, just kind of getting my mojo together, getting myself back, so like I said, rough winter, um, it was definitely interesting for me as well, but hoping to get started here soon, so we're trying to go back to the day-to-day, we'll try to make that happen, but right now, here we are, and, uh, you know, we gotta talk about some fun here, we had a, a game that was insane, um, just an absolutely insane game, historic game. We had a team that has been kind of swooning a little bit, catch back up and get a nice feel-good win. We've had another team with a player who is iconic and celebrate a birthday, playing at an advanced basketball age as they're on a two-game win streak. Uh, we've had another team that was mired in controversy last year and for some of this year that has been one of the hottest teams in basketball this uh, last month. So we got some games to talk about, and we will do just that. But first, just want to let y'all know, check out Sports Ethos on Twitter, at Sports Ethos Online, SportsEthos.com. They have literally everything looking for from a sports perspective, basketball, baseball, football, fantasy, DFS, all of that, betting, gambling, you want it, they have it. So check them out on Twitter, 
at Sports Ethos Online Sports Ethos.com. So we got to start off with history. Um, straight up history. Donovan Mitchell. Let that sit there for a second. At this point, you probably know what happened. But I'm going to say it again. Donovan Mitchell. Wow. Donovan Mitchell scored an NBA season high in a franchise record for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yes, a Cleveland Cavaliers franchise record in points. A team that a team that's had LeBron James among its ranks. A team that's had Kyrie Irving, other just seminal scorers. Now has their franchise scoring record held by one Donovan Mitchell, as he scored 71 points last night. The eighth most in a game in NBA history, as the Cleveland Cavs rallied from 21 down to beat the Chicago Bulls 145-134 in overtime. It was insane. It was the most points in a game by any player since Kobe Bryant had 81 against Toronto back in January 22nd of 2006. It is the 12th 70th point game in NBA history. We all know Will Chamberlain has the record of all time with 100 way back 61 years ago in 1962. Mitchell scored 13 points in OT after forcing OT. Uh, He had missed a free throw on purpose and made this crazy circuit shot with three seconds left, which tied the game at 130, y'all. Then Coach Bickerstaff made a nice adjustment, putting Jared Allen on the ball handler, who was DeMar DeRozan for the last second shot for the Bulls, forcing DeRozan into a crazy follow-away three that was airballed that went into overtime. Uh, just insane. Donovan Mitchell really made this game happen, for the record. Um, he scored or assisted on 99 points, which is the second most in NBA history, obviously will being the number one. Um, in OT, Mitchell poured in 11, had a career-tying 11 assists, had 8 rebounds, played 50 minutes, had a career high with 20 free throws made and 25 free throws attempted. Just crazy, crazy stuff. Uh, again, those 71 points shattering the franchise record of 57 that the Cavs previously had by both LeBron James, of course, as well as Kyrie Irving. This is the second time that the Bulls and the Cavs have clashed. In this game, the Cavs were without the services of Darius Garland and Evan Mobley, and the Bulls had went to a 21-point lead that looked pretty safe. Um, The Cavs started a mini-run just before the end of the second quarter, but I thought it was pretty safe that the Bulls had this one. After having lost to Cleveland on the last day of the year, 103-102. to Also, Donovan Mitchell was kind of cold coming into this game. He was averaging just 17.5 points per game over the last four games, shooting 32% on 73 field goals. So, like, he wasn't doing too well, but he went off. Credit to Donovan Mitchell for just staying after it, playing a whopping 50 minutes, scoring 71 points on 34 shooting possessions, 22 of 34 from the field, 7 of 15 from three, willing the Cavs back into this game. Because, honestly, aside from him, I mean, it wasn't a whole lot else going on. You know, you had 21 from Jared Allen, uh, along with some big rebounds as well. Uh, you had uh, 12 points from Kevin Love, along with 17 rebounds for him. 19 points off the bench for Teddy Osman. 10 for Karis LeVert. And that's all, folks, for your double-digit scoring. That's it. But when you have 71, geez, Louise, what can you say? 
especially down the stretch, being the main offensive option. Everyone in the building and your mama knew it, and it didn't matter. He could not be stopped. He kept losing people on step-back jumpers, getting to the basket relentlessly, knocking down clutch threes, like I said, 7 to 15 from there. So I don't know what could have been done after a while when he was just on fire, but he just did that. And I don't know if that speaks more to Mitchell, which I think I'm going to choose to say that it does. 71 points is a feet and a half. Playing as long as he did and, and willing that team back to victory, that's great. But let's talk about the Bulls for a second. Gotta shout out my man Matt Issa. He wrote a piece on SB Nation about whether or not the Bulls should blow it up. And, and it wasn't really about whether or not they should blow it up. It was about not blowing it up because... As he detailed, I'm not going to go into the whole piece here. You have to read it. I'll put the link in the description. But basically breaking down that the core is finding their groove. And yes, they don't have Lonzo Ball. But look at the way that... um, I'm trying to forget his name now. Zach Levine was playing. You know, kind of picking up steam. And DeMar DeRozan has been playing pretty solidly on the offensive end this entire time. And also check out Nikola Vucevic there. And that's all well and good. But... I don't know. I I disagree. Love the piece well written. Uh, Matt's my bro. He knows how it is. But yeah, I, I just don't think this team has it. They didn't have another gear. They re- just kind of resort to hero ball a little bit too much. And their personnel is very much kind of not a match. Like, yeah, in theory, you can have, you know, uh, pick and pops, pick and rolls with Nikola Vucevic, post-ups with DeMar DeRozan, post-ups with Nikola Vucevic, ISO with Zach Levine, ISO and pick and roll with uh, Vooch, ISO and DeRozan, two-man action, but you don't have a lot of sh- outside shooting outside of those guys. Uh, all those guys are best independently when they're able to kind of move with the ball a little bit. Uh, Vooch has been off and on kind of finding his way. Uh, definitely underwhelming uh, given the haul that Chicago gave up for him, but he's been underwhelming for sure. And DeRozan and Zach Levine, yeah, in theory, there's a way it could work, definitely, but it hasn't as of yet. Um, I mean, the magic has been there. We saw it last year in certain in certain stints, but they're very much okay. Go to work, Demar. Okay, Levine, let's go. Okay, back, forth, and that's a great two man tandem, but. It just hasn't been there this year. And yes, Zach Levine did start off slow this season, coming off of that knee surgery and, and getting himself right. DeMar DeRozan's been on fire uh, for a, a large portion of the year. Not quite as clutch, but still. But it's just not there. And they don't have enough pieces and on the ancillary end to kind of help out in that way. I mean, Alex Caruso, he's good. Good defender. Not a total offensive liability, but not that kind of guy. Ayudusumu just isn't the shooter that you would like to have around a group like that. Patrick Williams has been, I don't know. Listen, I am not high on Patrick Williams. think he's okay. A nice utility wing player. But given where he was drafted, given what he is doing for the team, no, I don't see it exactly. Um, that is just my opinion, but I just don't see it. Off the bench, you know, Guan Dragic, yeah, he's good. He's also 36, you know. You don't play him any minutes. Kobe White, free Kobe White. Or don't, because he's not playing much. Andre Drummond's there. Derrick Jones Jr., for someone who, you know, isn't really a threat to score, uh, is an okay defender, doesn't do a lot more on ball. Like, I don't see the pieces working. And looking at the Bulls in this game, I mean, let's kind of break it down. DeMar DeRozan, 44 points. Only three rebounds and four assists, so all he was doing was getting buckets, 44 and 46 minutes, but he was doing that. 26 for Zach Levine, along with six rebounds and six assists. 
20 points for Nikola Vucevic. 13 rebounds as well. 11 points for Ayo Dusumu. 10 points for Patrick Williams. 6 for Derrick Jones. 5 for Kobe White. Andre Drummond had 6. Caruso, 4 in 22 minutes. Like, you see what I'm getting at here? And this isn't just a aberration for some of these guys. They don't give the production you need. And the ones who do... Do it independent of each other. They're not a good match. And I think that if you're the Bulls right now, given your pick situation, given the age of DeMar DeRozan and Nikola Vucevic, given the contract situation of them all, DeRozan's locked up for a bit, but Vuce is entering free agency, and Levine's locked up for a bit as well. But is he your best guy if he is? Are they good? I don't think so. I just don't see it. I think you're in a situation right now where, again, we talked about the parity that is in the NBA right now. And yes, every team is within X amount of spots from the playoffs or whatever the case may be. Right now, the Bulls sit 11th at 16-21. and 21. They're not too far off from the 10-29 Pistons. I'm just saying. If their pick is in the top two, right? Top three, top four, they're good. Just saying, I don't know. I just don't see them making a, a massive hike. Like, yeah, they could pass the Wizards, I'm sure. You know, maybe the Knicks could fall. The Heat are in the mix as well. The Hawks have their own drama. But they're definitely not on the level of the Celtics, the Nets, and the Bucks. Obviously, they're not on the Cavs level. Don't see them really next to the 76ers. So now we're looking at the Pacers, Knicks, and the Heat. At that point, you're looking at the last spot of the playoffs or in the play-in. So either you lose in the play-in, make the play-in, and then get just molly in the first round again. I just don't know. I think that it might be time for the Bulls front office to take a long, hard look at this roster. And yes, admit you made some mistakes. It's okay. We make them all the time. It's like you're in a relationship, you know? Girl look good, you know, she vibing with you, laughing at all your jokes, you looking great in her eyes, everything working out, then you was like, oh wow, you really stress about a lot of things I don't, and she's like, yeah, you're a little messier than I thought, and you snore too loud, and you're like, you know what, but we liked each other so much when we first started, like, we gotta keep it through, like, y'all ain't married, y'all just dating, if it ain't working out, y'all gotta make that commitment, right, no, not right, that's what the dating stage is for. If you're married, then of course, in my opinion, that's what you do. But if you're dating, it's like, hey, it's not working out. You don't double down and try to force it to work. Nah, cut your losses. And yes, that admits that, yeah, maybe you made a mistake in thinking that this would have worked. But that's fine. It's called growth. You realize, okay, no, I was wrong. Okay, it's not a perfect analogy. But the bottom line is the Bulls need to realize that this isn't working for them. In the last 10, they're 5-5. Five and five. Lost the last two. Just not a very good team. They're 500 at home. They're 7-12 and 12 away. They're just not good. I don't see the light at the end of this tunnel for Chicago. Retool. I don't want to say build around Patrick Williams, but build around the youth that you have. Try to acquire some more youth. See what you can get for Vooch, which probably isn't going to be a whole lot. See what you get for DeRozan, which will be a little more. Maybe you can explore Zach Levine. He's in his prime, 27. Check out what you can get for him. I, if you don't believe that he's the guy that you can kind of build your next iteration of winning Bulls basketball around, and I don't know if I do. I think we've seen a couple of years. We have a sample size, and it just doesn't look great in my opinion. But again, that's my opinion. Bottom line, I do think that this Bulls team is going nowhere fast, and that is getting late real early over here for Chicago. So definitely time for them to make some moves. Let's go from one historic performance to an historic player with 
you could say his own historic performance. Not quite the level of a 71-point game, but we have to talk about one LeBron James who scored 47 points on his 38th birthday just a few days ago. I'm sure we all heard about that, seen the replays on NBA TV. Really big performance. It really was. Has the Lakers beat the Atlanta Hawks? Well, in his first game, or second game, uh, since turning 38, LeBron again scored 40 points. Uh, 43 to be exact, as the Lakers got their second win in a row post-LeBron's 38th over the Charlotte Hornets, 121-115. to um, LeBron was masterful. Again, making just tough fadeaways, finishes around the rim with flourishes, had a nasty reverse dunk alley-oop. A reverse alley-oop dunk, there you go, off of a pass from Dennis Schroeder that was just nasty for a guy at any age, let alone someone 38. The dude balled out. And on the one hand, I feel like, listen, the Hornets were without the services of, well, I mean, they're the Hornets. So, I mean, I can't really say without the service of XYZ player. Um, They had LaMelo Ball, they had Terry Rozier, Dennis Smith came back after missing a large portion of the season with the ankle injury. Um, Gordon Hayward was there, although you wouldn't notice it with the stat line. And P.J. Washington. It's the Hornets, though. So I, it's not like a shorthanded Hornets team, but they are shorthanded on the win column. They're 10-28. and 28. And it took 43 points on LeBron James, and the Lakers won this game, but only won by seven. On the one hand, yes, a win is a win. Absolutely. And for the Lakers, that's all they're looking for right now. They're... Um, well within striking range for both the 60. I think they're only four point four and a half games out of the six seed, so it's still something that they're within play for. At the same time, I mean, let's face it: this Lakers team is a team that is 16 and 21. They're below 500, and they need a 38 LeBron, 38 year old LeBron James put the type of numbers he's putting up for them to be competitive and win games against teams like the Atlanta Hawks and the Charlotte Hornets, teams that are not really a murderous row. Not at all. So, not really sure about what's going on there. Um, Except for the fact the Lakers front office needs to do something. They just do. Rob Polinka talked about wanting to uh, safeguard LeBron's uh, legacy or whatever the heck he was talking about because I'm not seeing it. You know what I mean? And and that's no disrespect to the Lakers players. It's going to come off that way. Uh, For the record, uh, Lakers had two players in double... I mean, two not two players in double digits. They had five players in double digits in total... uh, Four alongside LeBron, 18 and 15 for Thomas Bryant, who has been balling out since Anthony Davis went down. Uh, 15 points and five assists for Dennis Schroeder, 12 points and five rebounds for Troy Brown, and then 15 points, six rebounds, and seven assists for Austin Reeves, Mr. Do Everything. Can't give him that nickname because, uh, well, let's face it, DeAnthony Melton has it. But for the Lakers, he is that guy. But that's it. Russell Westbrook only played 11 minutes uh, left after the first half because of left foot soreness. Uh, the same thing that was bothered him and had him miss two games this season already. Patrick Beverly didn't do a whole lot per usual this season. And that was really it. So, I mean, are you really looking at guys like, you know, Dennis Schroeder and Troy Brown Jr. to be the guys to step up uh, alongside Thomas Bryant to give LeBron James the help he, help he needs? 
if you are, I, I don't know if you're looking for a lot of wins, and that's no disrespect to them. They're very solid players who might be even kind of overextending themselves right now. But the bottom line is they need to get more help. You need to have, I don't know, a playmaker with some size alongside LeBron. Let's get a stretch five, you know, a guy who can play well alongside uh, Anthony Davis and also play without him, like a Miles Turner. Let's get a big wing. You know, an actual small forward on this team. LeBron's definitely more of a four. You know AD's best at five. Let's get somebody that's a wing that's not Troy Brown Jr. or an undersized guard. No disrespect to Lonnie Walker. Like, there are actual moves that the Lakers need to make if they're trying to be a contending team. And that's the question. Are they? Because if you look at them right now, you'd be fooled. I know I'm, I'm fooled. Actually, you're not fooled. The team's not a championship contending team. But they say all the things they're trying to do for LeBron, and it's not like LeBron's fading away in his age 38 season. Like, he's not. He's on pace to be the all-time leading scorer in NBA history in a few short months, and he's putting up numbers we have not seen a 38-year-old do. In the NBA, it's, come on now, let's just think about this. When you're 38 in the NBA, like, you are on your way out. Only one guy at 38 was still putting up, like, semi-reliable numbers. And that's the guy who is also known as uh, the mailman. We really can't say a whole lot more about him. Uh, but that's it. And even he was fading. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was a shell of himself. John Stockton, couple threes and a few assists. You know, I mean, if you look at guys that played over 38, they're guys who are sitting at the end of the bench or, or guys who are really reduced from what they were. I mean, Chris Paul, he fits right alongside that take a couple threes and a couple assists. P.J. Tucker's in there running around. Andre Godala's been on the bench. Like, these are guys who have done, they, they're just there. I'm trying to look at other 38-year-old players. Because, again, not mentioning much about the mailman, but after 18 seasons, he was still averaging 20 points and close to 10 rebounds, had 2.6 body fat. Like, okay. That's pretty impressive physique. Moving right along. John Stockton. In the 2002-2003 season, he was just the 10th player in NBA history to play to the age of 40. Uh, He played 27 minutes per game. Averaged 10.8 points, 7.7 assists, and 1.7 steals. That that was what he did. Hakeem Olajuwon, at 39, his final season, played 22 minutes a game, 6 boards, and 1.5 block shots. That was it. Reggie Miller. Now, Reggie Miller was somebody closer to LeBron's uh, production, and that's really overstating it because Reggie Miller was nowhere near that. At 39, he averaged 15 points per game on a respectable 43% shooting. I'm saying he was close to that because he was still a guy the Pacers looked to to create offense. He was still a guy the Pacers looked to, to, to be one of their closers come the end of games, very much like LeBron. So that's why I, I'm bringing that up. Um... Michael Jordan at 38, 23 points per game, five assists, six rebounds. Now, that's probably sadly similar to what the Lakers and LeBron are right now because LeBron's numbers are way better than MJ's numbers. He was shooting 41% from the field, battling injuries the entire time. LeBron's had some injury issues as well, but LeBron's numbers are way higher. Uh, But the team is about just as bad, you know? If LeBron was to miss... If LeBron was to miss significant time, Lakers are in the basement of the West. Simple. MJ missed time for the Wizards, and, and guess what the Wizards sank to? They didn't make the playoffs in either of MJ's two years, and that was because he missed a lot of time, and when he did, guess what happened? The Wizards didn't win. So that just is what it is when it comes to that. 
I'm just saying Lakers really need to look in the mirror, look at the player they have, arguably one of arguably the best player in NBA history, what he's doing in his advanced age for a basketball player, and how can they better support him? How can they lighten his load? Because right now, dropping 40 points in, in, in games to try to beat the Hawks and the, and the, and the uh, Hornets, can't even say the name right, that's not getting it done. That just isn't going to get it done. That's just the long and short of it. And that's my rant on that. Uh, check out Down Bad Lakers Fan My Lakers podcast for a little bit more insight onto that. Timberwolves beat the Nuggets 124 to 111. Munching the win for the Timberwolves, who have been a mess this season. Uh, we'll do a little further breakdown of them in a future show. But they've just not been great. Uh, the, the mix just hasn't been working. It, 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 it's just not been good. I mean, bottom line, Rudy Gobert's underperformed. Anthony Edwards has played about the same as last year, which was fine for last year, but you were expecting a step up. Uh, D'Angelo Russell is playing like a borderline backup point guard, but you really need me a starting point guard uh, playing at a much higher caliber than he has. And, and that's been it. But you know what? Last night against the Nuggets, they really came together, played bigger than the sum of their parts, and got a much-needed win. 29 points, 10 boards, and 5 assists for Anthony Edwards. 21 points, 4 rebounds, and 4 assists for Jaden McDaniels. Kyle Anderson played very well, 19 points, 4 rebounds, 8 assists, playing more of that point guard role. Slow-mo with the slow-mo shot. Had a 3 in the corner late in the game to really put the uh, Timberwolves over for good. And the shot released so late, I thought it was going to get blocked. That's how slow of a release he has. I would hate to play with him as 2K. Good thing I barely play 2K as it is. That game is just not great. Go basketball GM, y'all. Um, aside from that, Jalen Norwell off the bench, 17 points, played really solid. His numbers aren't going to pop up the page here, but Luka Garza had some really productive minutes in his game, in this last game. 14 minutes, 9.6 rebounds, loved his activity around the basket, loved his tenacity in getting to the, to the rim. Uh, just being active around there and, and being a big active body who was kind of creating space for Noel, for uh, Austin Rivers, who had eight points and five assists, but really played bigger than his numbers. Like, I got to shout out Luca Garza because, again, I was very impressed by the minutes that I saw him in. Uh, shout out to former Laker Matt Ryan, who got 20 minutes to run, had five points. Just... It's a nice little story. Uh, former Uber driver, former cemetery worker, had a big game winner for the Lakers, um, or a big t- game tying shot for the Lakers early in the season, and now finds himself getting some minutes for the Timberwolves. Good to see. For the Nuggets, Nikola Jokic, eh, pedestrian game for him, which is saying a lot when it's 24 points, 7 rebounds, and 9 assists, but it wasn't his best game. He was somewhat neutralized by the Timberwolves, and they did a really cool strategy where it wasn't Rudy Gobert swallowing him up, far from it. In a game where every Timberwolves player who played basically had a positive plus minus, Gobert was the only one with a negative. But what the Timberwolves did, and shout out to Ira Chala on Twitter, at A-C-H-A-W-L-Z for saying this, but basically the Timberwolves did a good job of limiting Jokic by guarding him with someone who could keep in front of him and then letting Gobert run the baseline to kind of help out uh, kind of quasi-double Jokic when he turned to the basket. 
Uh, it was definitely better than sending earlier doubles. More of a late double there, but you had a guy like Anderson with the size. Definitely not the bulk to make things difficult for the pass to get to Jokic. And then you have Gobert lingering around there to make things tough and force a tougher shot. So definitely liked the strategy that the Timberwolves did there on the defensive end. Um, and just being tenacious and really putting some effort that they haven't put in uh, for a large portion of the season. They definitely did in this game against Jokic, and that was a big reason why they won. Um, but the Nuggets, I mean, despite losing by almost 14, they had seven players in double digits. Jokic at 24, 18 points apiece for Michael Porter Jr. and Bones Highland, 12, 14 points for Jamal Murray along with four assists, 12 points and 16 rebounds for Aaron Gordon, 10 points for Contavious Caldwell-Pope. I mean, the bottom line was the Timberwolves went on some big, uh, quarters in terms of scoring a 36 point second quarter a 34 point fourth quarter and the nuggets were kind of stifled and turnovers were a big deal as well so yeah Timberwolves just played better it was it was it was good to see more assists uh less turnovers more points in the paint shot better from the field that's gonna help you get a lot of got a lot of wins uh if the Timberwolves played more like that they'd probably have more wins on their books but hey they're going to be happy with what they have, uh, which was a good win over an opponent that was worthy. Trailblazers, Molly Wap, the Pistons, 135-106. to 106. Not really a whole lot to see there. Anthony Simons had 30 points, which was second to Jeremy Grant, 36. Damian Lilla had 19, and that was more than enough against the outmatched and hapless Pistons. 21 points for Bojan Bogdanovic, 19 points for Alec Burks. 16 for Hamadou Diallo, 13 for Jaden Ivey, and that was all. Shout out to Jalen Duran, who 5 points, 11 boards, but definitely was making some nice reads on the floor. Um, Definitely helpful in that respect. The bottom line was the Pistons just couldn't connect from the field. 41% from the field, 33% from 3. Compare that to the Blazers, 57% from the field, uh, as well as their relatively robust 3-point shooting compared to the Pistons at 46%. And it's not really anything close. And that was the, the 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 spelling of victory there for the Blazers. Mavericks beat the Rockets one eleven to one oh six. Luca, Luca Magic, thirty nine points, twelve rebounds, eight assists, forty one points. How much more can this man do? But it wasn't just that. He had twenty one points for Christian Wood in his revenge game against the Rockets, along with seven rebounds, twenty one points for Tim Hardaway Jr. 11 points for Spencer Dinwiddie, and that's all, folks. That's right. Luca, you get the honorary LeBron James doing too damn much award because you have to. It's kind of sad, but you have to. But at least you had Christian Wood and Tim Hardaway to help you out there. Give you points for that. For the Rockets, spreading the wealth for sure. Six players in double digits. Kevin Porter Jr., 25 points, six rebounds, six assists. 20 points for Jalen Green, along with five boards and four assists. 19 points for Eric Gordon. 16 points for Alperin Shingun. 11 for Jabari Smith. But again, you know, just a matter of making your shots. Rocket shot better from the field, but did not shoot better from three. Had more assists as well, but also had more turnovers. And that will do it, as well as fouls. Saying that the Mavericks in line again and again, compared to the Rockets on a relative scale, eh. Not super great there. So, definitely something that they should work on. But speaking of things that should be worked on, the San Antonio Spurs, I love them. They play hard. They try. 
They got killed last night by the Brooklyn Nets, 139-103. to The Nets have been on an absolute tear. 27 points for Kyrie Irving, 25 for Kevin Durant, 18 for TJ Warren, 16 for Seth Curry. Nets shot 62% from the field, 55% from three, 80% from the line. Ladies and gentlemen, they just weren't missing. 31 assists as well. This game was over before it started as the Nets took control early and didn't look back. Excuse my phone beeping in the background there. For the Spurs, 22 points for Calvin Johnson, 14 for Devin Vassell. Those two have been the workhorses for San Antonio, but they just needed more and they just didn't get it. 11 points for Josh Richardson off the bench, 10 for Zach Collins. That was it for your double-treated scores for the Spurs, and that is why they lost by 36, and that is one of the reasons they're 12-25. Listen, this is a young team. They got a lot to learn. They're putting a lot of uh, offensive responsibility on Kelton Johnson and Dem Vassell. I love the way Trey Jones has played this year. I like the fact that Malachi Branham's getting good minutes. Yaka Pertl should fetch a good return for the Spurs somewhere, but they're just not a good basketball team. And they're playing a team in Brooklyn who has been on absolute fire. That's the story there. 76ers beat the Pelicans in their second game in about a week. 120 to 111. Uh, first game the Pelicans took with CJ going crazy from three. This game, the 76ers said, we got you. We got Joel B going off for 42 points, 11 boards, and five assists. James Harden at 27 and eight assists. Then you had off the bench, a lot of production. George Yang with 15, 12 for Tyrese Maxey, 11 for the real Mr. Do-Everything, DeAnthony Melton. For the Pelicans, 26 apiece for both C.J. McCollum and Zion Williamson, although Zion Williamson left after 28 minutes due to some hamstring uh, tightness. We really hope that he's able to recover and get back soon, and this isn't something that lingers for this Pelican squad. Aside from the two 26-point scores, you had 12 points for Jonas Valanciunas along with 12 boards, 10 points apiece for Najee Marshall and Jackson Hayes, and that's about it for the Pelicans. So definitely want to step up and get some more production. I was definitely looking for more from Trey Murphy, who just couldn't get it going. Um, and that was really kind of it for them. Definitely want to see them step up a little bit more. But hey, the 76ers are a very good squad, and they owed the Pelicans one for beating them earlier. So this is just them getting some revenge here. The Clippers are shorthanded last night going against the Miami Heat. They were without the services of Kawhi Leonard, who was out with a non-COVID-related illness. But you still have Paul George, still thought to be dangerous, obviously not dangerous enough against Miami because the Clippers went down 110-100. to Paul George had 25 points and 7 assists, and Marcus Morris had 14 points and 7 boards, but it just wasn't enough. Clippers shot better from three, but did not shoot better from the field as a whole. Got to the line more, but got out-rebounded by a massive margin, 48-34. And the Heat just had more contributions across the board. Bam Adebayo had a monster game, 31 points and 13 rebounds. Really controlled the interior. Tyler Hero had 23.7 rebounds as he continues his all-star bid. Off the bench, 15 points for Victor Oladipo, 5 rebounds and 4 assists in 30 minutes. Max Drews had 13 points and 8 rebounds. And that was enough. You know, Kyle Lowry played. <laughs> so did Jimmy Butler. <laughs> they actually didn't have great nights uh, at all. Just 15 points, 4 rebounds, and 10 assists between the two of them. That could be a normal night for Jimmy and a good night for Kyle. But, yeah. Uh, Caleb Martin had two points and three boards. 
uh, in a really short stint. And, and yeah, that was really it. Orlando Robinson, though, really loving the way the guy's been playing in limited minutes as the backup big. He just is able to put up a lot of production in a little bit of time. Six points and six rebounds really came up big for Miami. And, yeah, there was just too much there for the Clippers. I was really hoping Kawhi could play there. I wanted to see a matchup of those two with this Miami Heat team. But it worked out okay. Uh, Miami really stormed back for the win. Had a 20, I mean, they had a lead uh, for most of the game. Uh, but there was a 34-point third quarter from the Clippers to really get up in there. And then the Miami Heat had a 29-point fourth quarter to take the lead for good and ultimately win the game there. But I had to save the best for last. And the best was the longest game. It was the two-overtime thriller between the Golden State Warriors and the Atlanta Hawks. Golden State won 143-141 to on a game-winner from Kavon Looney, who finished the game with 14 points and a monstrous 21 rebounds, as well as five assists. I love the playmaking Kavon Looney has in this Warriors system. Uh, but his game-winning tip in the closing seconds of the second overtime sealed the deal for the Warriors. But the story of the Warriors is one Clay Thompson had the most points scored in a game in seven years. That's right, we're talking seven years, uh, you know, peak 73-win warrior season back in 2016, pre-injury Clay Thompson. This guy went off for 54 points. Yep, that's right, 5-4. We had a bunch of huge performances last night. We talked about uh, the 71 from Donovan Mitchell already. We talked about the 41 from LeBron, the 44 from DeMar DeRozan. Now we have 54 from Clay Thompson with seven rebounds as well and three assists. 28.6 rebounds and five assists for Jordan Poole. Draymond Green had a big three in the second overtime, had 13 rebounds and 11 assists. Off the bench, Anthony Lamb played well, 17.7 rebounds and four assists. But going back to Clay, man, like, wow. First off, great story. I'm glad that a player like that, giving the type of scoring that he was able to do in such a long period of time, was able to come out with the win. Because this Hawks team was tenacious. They wouldn't go away. Uh, every time the Warriors had a nice punch and what they thought was a knockout punch, the Hawks said, I bet. And they came back with their own and got the game not up again. So major shout out to the Hawks for that. We're going to go to them in a second. But I love the fact that Clay's jumper was going down, you know, he was definitely feeling it early, and he kept that bad boy going. And that's just what it was. Um, Clay knocked down 10 threes, um, had himself a uh, uh, 50, oh, 50% shooting uh, split from there, 10 of 21, so just under 50%. He was 21 of 39 from the field in general. And, yeah, this was just a really solid game for him. And when I say really solid, I mean spectacular, like I said. Just a vintage Clay Thompson performance. So, really cool to have seen that. Um, maybe the demise of Clay Thompson was greatly exaggerated. I don't know. Maybe it was. But Kevon Looney stole the game. Kevon Looney stole the game. 14 points, 21 boards, like I mentioned, on 4 8 shooting. Just solid. Got to the free throw line, did it all. Uh, he was the reason that the Warriors got the win. But going back to the Hawks, who played well, listen. Seven players for the Hawks in double digits, led by 30 by Trey Young, along with seven rebounds and 14 assists. John Collins and DeJounte Murray each chipped in with 25 apiece. John Collins tossed in 13 rebounds. DeJounte Murray added 10 rebounds and seven assists. 21 points off the bench for Bogdan Bogdanovich. 17 points. 
for DeAndre Hunter, 16 points and 12 boards for Nyeke Okongwu, who played really well in the absence of uh, Clint Capella, and a guy I really want to see get the starting spot long-term for the Hawks. I mean, he plays well. He definitely could have said to make a couple more tough finishes against Draymond in the interior during the overtime periods. He missed a couple of bunnies, just not really using his physicality enough, in my opinion. Yes, Draymond's a very good post defender, but these were just gimmies for Okongu, and they were not gimmies for him. Uh, so definitely want to see that improvement there. John Hans played well, I thought. Definitely his outside shot wasn't super great, um, and he was benched for curious moments. Uh, probably wouldn't have gone to an overtime the Hawks would get a rebound uh, at the end of the uh, regular period at the end of the fourth quarter to begin with, they probably wouldn't have been there. And also they probably would have gotten a rebound uh, to go into a third overtime had John Collins not been out, you know, stuck in the perimeter 30 feet from the basket while all the Hawks smaller players were around the basket, just getting the rebound batted over their heads. So that's my opinion, just uh, not understanding the usage of John Collins. But then again, that could speak to just a larger issue of John Collins fit with the Atlanta Hawks this season. He's been on the trade block, at least in everyone's head for the last three and a half years, but it doesn't seem more apparent than it is now. Just with his role being so relegated to a, a tertiary part of this Hawk system with Trey Young and DeJounte Murray really running things and then having guys like uh, A.J. Griffin, Okongwu, and other guys take over from there. Um, speaking of A.J. Griffin, didn't do a whole lot at all. 15 minutes, uh, just two points. But yeah, that that's my grant on the Hawks who have their own internal turmoil whether it's the talking about Coach McMillan and his future, whether he's going to resign, retire at the end of the year. Uh, we all know him not getting along with Trey Young, who has had a, a kind of down year. Yes, you look at his numbers, 27 points, 10 assists, looks great, you know. Uh, look a little closer, 41% from the field, 31% from three. That does not look great at all. His two-point percentage is not solid, uh, missing a lot of easy floaters, all of that. So, I don't know. This Hawk seems a mess. Travis Slank stepped down. Uh rumored about personal reasons, rumored that it was the front office wanting to make a move in a different direction. Whatever the case may be, it's not been great. And yeah, I mean, the Hawks are still a a solid team with potential. Like this group they have here, I just think they need to maximize a little bit better. And they have not done that as of yet. And this was a great game. They, They served for a great foil for the Golden State Warriors in this game. A game that we will see on replay probably later on today on NBA TV and maybe the next day as well in the game of the week. Game of the week might have come early for the NBA. Well, actually, the game of the week did come early for the NBA. It was Donovan Mitchell's 71-point game. But, geez, what a slate of performances we had last night. Donovan Mitchell, 71 points. Klay Thompson, 54. DeMar DeRozan, 44. LeBron James, 43. Joel Embiid, 42. Luka Doncic, 39. What a night. What a season. What a league. Just shout out to the NBA. Because, man, I love this game. I love this game. It's like the 90s, yo. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. Let's talk about some of the basketball that we have to look forward to tonight on this fine Tuesday. Just three games slate. Real chill. Not a whole lot happening. Celtics will play the Thunder at 6. Arizona time, which is Mountain Standard time. So get with it. Bucks will be clashing with the Wizards again. Uh, Remember, they battled... Just two days ago, and the Wizards won 118-90-95 over the Bucks B team. I doubt they'll be getting that B team again tonight, but we will see at 6. And then the Kings will play the Jazz at 7, uh, and that is a rematch of a game that happened earlier this week. 
uh, on the 30th of December where the Kings beat the Jazz by one point. So that is it for the games for tonight. That is it for the games from last night. And with that, I'm going to let y'all move on with y'all lovely day. Thank y'all for rocking with me on Round Ball Ramble. We are back. We're getting with it. It's been a minute, but we are here. Thank y'all for staying with it. I appreciate y'all. Listen, you can follow me on Twitter at CorbinMBA if you are so inclined. I do appreciate that. Give me any constructive criticism, encouragement, help, feedback. You know I'll take it. I will listen. I will adapt. I want to get better. Trying to really do this thing, y'all. So thank you already in advance for your time. Follow Sports Ethos on Twitter at Sports Ethos Online, SportsEthos.com. Check Round Ball Round. We're going to be stepping up. We have our NBA Trade Guide series that's going to be kicking off here real soon. Haven't forgot the draft content, but kind of dragging my feet on that. But I'm going to be popping that. Popping that? I meant to say popping that out. Oh, goodness. I'm going to be popping that out soon here for y'all as well. So definitely stay tuned for that. Check out my other shows as well. We have the Alamo Airwaves. We have Down Bad Lakers fan. We have another project with Sports Ethos involving the Charlotte Hornets going to come out here very soon as well. So definitely make sure to keep your eyes and ears open for that. But until next time, y'all, I am Frosty. Y'all stay Frosty, and I will talk to y'all real, real soon. All right, y'all.